Welcome to the 34 Welcome to Make Matriarchy Great Again. Welcome back to the 34 Circe Salon and our post-colonial Amazons episode. In this part, part two, Walter Penrose discusses the warrior women of the Black Sea region and the Eurasian steppes. So just to give everybody the kind of uh, ESPN sports rundown, we've got Sarmatians, Thracians, Sauromatians, S-A-U-R, Matians, uh, and we won't. I know we won't go into that. It's a little confusing for everyone. But there are these different tribal groupings that are associated with having warrior women. And I particularly wanted to ask you about Thracians because we're spending a lot of time on Penthesilea on something we're working on. So she's Thracian. If you could say a little bit more about them and about the Ethiopis so people know, because I think this is a really interesting thing, this Ethiopis and this epic cycle, because we know the Iliad and the Odyssey, but I don't know if many people realize that there were other works about the Trojan War. And that even the ones that we have are just fragments of larger epic cycles. Yeah, good. Okay, so the Iliad tells us about a short period in the Trojan War. It tells us about the 10th year of that war. And it doesn't tell us about the beginning, although there are flashbacks that that give us something about that. Uh, In the Iliad, the Amazons are mentioned briefly twice, but it's very brief, you know, one-liners. And uh, we uh, don't get to the end of the Trojan War yet either. But we know that the Iliad is part of a larger cycle of poems that was called in antiquity the Epic Cycle. And uh, many of those poems were about the Trojan War. Some of them were about other things. You know, the saga of Oedipus is also part of the uh, Epic Cycle. Uh, But to focus on the Trojan War part, one of the poems in that Epic Cycle was called the Aethiopis, and it was by... Uh, a poet named Arctanos. Now, um, that poet poem, excuse me, tells us a couple of things. Uh, first of all, it mentions that the Amazon Penthesilea came to Troy to fight on behalf of the Trojans. And it says it right in there, you know, the Amazon Penthesilea of the Thracian race came to Troy to fight on the behalf of the Trojans. And then she gets into a duel with Achilles and uh, Achilles kills her. uh, And then he pulls back her helmet and beholds this vision of loveliness. And he falls madly in love with her as she lays dying in his arms. And then, of course, he gets angry, right? Because that's what Achilles does. You know, (laughs) all about Achilles' anger, right? And so he gets angry. And then he's mocked by Thersites, who is another one of, of the, you know, Achaeans, right, which is the term that Homer uses for the Greeks. Uh, and uh, and then, you know, he winds up killing Thersites uh, so, uh, because he's so angry. Uh, but then Memnon, who is the king of the Ethiopians, shows up. And so that's, I think, where the name of that poem comes from, uh, the you know, I'm saying Ethiopus because I'm. It's AI in, in ancient Greek, uh, but in English it would be E. So that's where our word Ethiopia comes from, right? Right. Um, and mm-hmm. the Greeks called people from Africa Ethiopians. 
So what an interesting poem, because you've got a poem about an African warrior and, a, and an Amazon. So kind of a take on the modern notion of a diversified story. Yeah, yeah, it's very interesting. Um, and, you know, Africans show up in the Black Sea in other poems like uh, the uh, Argonautica of um, Apollonius. And so there's some interesting connections with Africa. And uh, there are some vases that show Amazons on one side, one in particular that I can think of, and shows, uh, you know, an Ethiopian warrior on the other side. Uh, and it's interesting. And sometimes, you know, the... Um, there, you know, one is placed in the place of the other. You know, if you look at a larger sort of, uh, you know, set of, of ancient Greek faces that were made oh. in this style. Uh-huh. So, who? So what? Are, can you tell us a little more about the Thracians? Am, am I mistaken? Is was Spartacus a Thracian as well? He may have been. Yeah, I, I mean, because they were known as a warrior, a group of warriors, both women and men, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, say, okay. So the Thracians. Uh, you know, they were great archers, and um, uh, so were the Scythians, right? Uh, but the Thracians would have been, uh, they were brought down into Athens and used as a police force by the ancient Greeks. This would probably be more male oh, Thracians. Interesting. Uh, hmm. and, yeah, I don't, the Greeks probably would not have been great with uh, female police. <laughs> Right, right, right. Um, but you never know, right? You never know. But uh, I, I don't think if they're that... if they're you know if they were afraid of women warriors, then maybe having a police force of women warriors would have right. been a good choice. Probably did work. But the Spartans did train women to throw javelins and to use weapons. And you know, in Roman times, the Spartans kind of had a Disneyland, as it were, where you know people came from far and wide, and they would watch you know women gladiators fighting and. So um, we also, when we think about the Greeks, have to draw a differentiation between, you know, the Spartans and the Athenians. Right, and right. There are also other women in Greece, like the Argives. There are stories of them standing up to the male Spartan uh, army, Argive women. So, um, you know, we know it's less. More, it's more Athens that we kind of get our sense of Greek yeah. attitudes. Right, yeah, yeah. We're pretty centered on that region. And that's where a lot of the evidence comes from. There's very little in comparison from, say, Sparta. But well, some- in your in your advisor's book, I remember reading through Spartan women. She points out a lot about the the Spartan women having the ability to uh, they're more educated, they're healthier. The idea of the the Spartans wanted to breed stronger, better, you know, warriors. So you wanted to make sure women were physically fit and that sort of thing. If I'm not mistaken, that's right. And, you know, that's why they exercised and, uh, you know, they're throwing the javelins is something that shows up in a later source, Plutarch. Um, mm-hmm. And whether they did that earlier on in the classical period, say, you know, the fifth century isn't as clear, although Xenophon, who wrote in the classical period a little later than the fifth century, does tell us that the exercise. So that much we know. And, you know, they engaged in running contests and uh, things like that. So what about some of the other tribes, the Thracians, Sarmatians, Scythians? What can you tell us about them and the women warriors in those tribes? Okay. Um, Well, so first of all, you know, we have some evidence that really is not about the Amazons, but just about the Scythians and Mm -hmm. the Sarmatians. So um, we're told uh, that the Scythians, uh, among the Scythians, that the women made war, just like the men. That's from Diodorus. And, uh, you know, that's a bit later as well. Uh, but 
when we look at the burials of Scythian women, we do find women buried with a lot of weapons. Uh, and so, for example, um, there is a, a burial in the Chalodny Yar region um, of a woman uh, who was Scythian, and um, she's buried with 47 bronze arrowheads, two iron knives, five pebble missiles, but also interesting with a clay spindle that you would use, you know, to make thread, right? And jewelry and a bronze mirror. Um, and she was buried with a manservant at her feet. Mm -hmm. and, oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. So the weapons were not his, we think, but were hers because the way they're positioned um, and the way the burial was done, you know, she's the main burial. She's got all the stuff and he's kind of lying at her feet. And, you know, it's very interesting when you think about, say, concepts like matriarchy, right? I, we don't think for sure that the Scythians were a matriarchal culture per se, but certainly there seem to have been some women chieftains or important things. And of course, we're dealing with a lot of archaeology uh, and outside Greek sources because the Scythians did have their own language, but it's poorly understood. We don't have writing from them, maybe like one inscription on a cup or something, but uh, we just don't know a lot of, about them from internally except uh for the archaeology which is interesting in and of itself uh mm -hmm. and um they buried their dead in these huge group burial mounds called a kurgan uh and sometimes the woman was the central burial uh right and so that's the other thing it's and sort of as a segue to the saromatians the saromatians did the same thing uh and they also show up in Greek sources in various ways, um, independently uh, of the Amazons, uh, we're told by uh, Nicolaus of, of Damascus that uh, that you know the um, Saromatians were a matriarchal people, right? They were ruled by the women, mm -hmm. um, and that the women fought as well. And also, we're told that. Uh, the by Herodotus, right? Perhaps the most famous Greek author who wrote uh, his history of the Persian Wars. We're told by Herodotus that they, um, the Saromatians, excuse me, right, uh, were the offspring of a marriage between the Amazons and the Scythians. I've heard that. That's a that's one of the great Greek legends, right? The, is it? I think was it? Is that from the shipwreck or the idea of the when they? Yeah, that they were blown off course mm -hmm. and yeah, a ship full of Amazons was blown off course and landed on their shores and and yeah. Exactly. So the story goes like this: um, the Greeks come and they defeat the Amazons in battle and they capture them and they're going to take them back to Greece, uh, but they set sail. And the Amazons um, mutiny on board and they kill their captors. But, you know, these are horsewomen, so they don't know how to sail. And so, the you know, the boat just kind of drifts off to where it drifts off. And it winds up in Scythia, which would be the Ukraine today, uh, something like that around Crimea, that, that area, somewhere near there. And then they get off and they're kind of living on the shore and so these sort of young Scythian men kind of notice them. And one day one of the Amazons goes out and one day one of the Scythians goes out and they kind of meet up and they're kind of, you know, making eyes at each other. And then they hook up 
And then, you know, somehow they don't speak each other's language. I love this story, but, but they make signals to one another, like, bring back a friend, right? I have a friend. <laughs> double date yeah right the next day there's a double date and you know and you know what you know all the amazons and all the Scythian guys are are hooking up and then you know they start to talk about settling down and the amazons are like yeah okay I, you know we don't really want to live like your women do your women live in wagons remember the Scythians were nomadic right um, yeah. You live in wagons and, you know, they do women's work all day. You know, we hunt and we fight and, you know, we don't want to look like that. So they say, you know, the guys say, okay, right, we'll, we'll go off and make a new tribe. So they leave and they, you know, head towards the east and they settle down and they, you know, create a new tribe called the Sauromatai Sar in Greek, which, you know, generally called Sauromatians in uh English, and of course, we do find evidence of warrior women among those Sarmatians. That is, that is an, there are just incredible stories and legends from the Greeks on that. And that's one of the ones that is really fascinating because you, we do see a lot in that region now from the archaeology, warrior women burials, right? Literally right in that area, correct? Right, exactly. And so there's something to this story uh, you know, the story that the Amazons meet the Scythians and get married and, and you know, form the Sarmatians may just be sort of a way of explaining, uh, you know, because the Greeks had this legend of the Amazons and but the Amazons keep showing up everywhere. Right. You know, they're at Troy. Mm -hmm. So it's early on. We hear about the Amazons. But later, these warrior women show up elsewhere. And so my theory is that, you know, the term Amazon you know, there are various etymologies of it. And when I say etymologies, the way we break down the roots of the word. Uh, but, you know, the in Greek, the etymology is breastless, without a breast, ah, which is like, you know, a historical meaning not, right? The alpha privative in Greek and madzone, which means breast, which is a variant in, in a, the Ionic dialect of Greek, uh, which Herodotus wrote in and spoke, um, that, you know, of mastos, which means breast, and so when you think of mastectomy, right, that comes from the Greek term, term breast, right? And, uh, and I mentioned that word because that is what we're told by another Greek author that the Amazons did. They cut off their right breast so that they could pull back a bow and shoot it. But isn't that, isn't that disproved by all of the various artwork on all of the, the friezes and the vases and all of these places where they have Amazon artwork, they all have two breasts. That is correct. Yeah, they all do. And, you know, sometimes they kind of show one breast, but not the other one. Um, and of course, we now know, right, that, uh, you know, I mean, you can go to the Olympics and watch women archery, right? You don't right. need off a breast to shoot a bow and arrow, right? So, yeah, um, Hellanicus, I think, was having a bit of a brain fart there, right? He didn't, didn't know much about uh, archery and particularly women archers, I would, I would guess. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that has been proven. Bit of a, yeah, it's a bit of a stretch there, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there are other theories of what the word Amazon might mean. Does it come from, you know, Proto-Indo-European, from an ancestor language of the Greek language? And, you know, it, in if you take a look at it in, in Iranian, ancient, you know, uh, Persian, you know, it might mean something like... Um, uh, 
hop metzon, right? Uh, and, uh, right, so that might have a, a different origin, right? So they're different, I guess the point I'm trying to make here is they're different theories about this. But my theory with regard to the Amazons is that, um, you know, they seem to show up everywhere that women warriors show up, right? So the Greeks kind of have this idea of, you know, the Amazons being, uh, you know, these warrior women who spurned men. And, you know, there are stories of this among the Greeks, right? And, uh, you know, and they would have to mate with men. So they would meet up with this tribe of the uh, Gargarians once a year. And then they would, you know, either kill the male infants or give them back to the Gargarians and raise only the women. Uh, and, you know, while it's, I think, remotely possible that a nomadic, you know, quote unquote tribe of women did exist at some point or another and maybe co-opted from the outside, right? Uh, and, you know, had had children and only raised women. That's remotely possible. We don't have any evidence, you know, from the archaeology to prove that per se. Um, not not yet. Not yet. <laughs> right? It might come up. Um, and, you know, there... We're, we're going to go look for it, Walter. We're going to go look for it. In Colchis, there seem to be some burials of women that are buried without men. Uh, I don't want oh, to too much about that, right? Because I you can't say that proves the legend existed. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, that's that's one place we might might look uh, or think about at least. Uh, but, you know, we're, my... we're, in, we're in Colchis. We're, we're about. I mean, I'm just curious for the stuff that we're planning to do, because it could be something to add as one of our stops uh, for the listener. The listener knows that we've been talking about trying to unearth the Masera, trying to explore to see if there is something there, because it's actually in Walter's book, Post-Colonial Amazons, that I read that no one had bothered to excavate the area. So that was, you You were the source, Walter. You were the spark. The inspiration. Our, the inspiration for our journey to this area. No one Just that so I'm aware know. of. You know, there could be some yeah. Turks who tried, right? It's it's possible there's yeah. something I don't know about. Uh, and, well, when I say Colchis, that would be the modern... Republic of Georgia, mm -hmm. and the but those grave goods would probably either be in the museum at Tbilisi. Uh, that's a possibility. I'm not 100% sure, but some of those burials, because you know it was Russia at the time when some of these things were found, or later the Soviet Union, some of those items are in the Hermitage or possibly other museums in Russia. Okay. Yeah. yeah, the interesting thing about Georgia that comes up so much in history is a couple of things I want to circle back to, but Georgia seems to be this place of where mythic notions of women occur. You know, you've got the idea that the Amazons may have ended their days in the mountains in that region. There's the talk, uh, there are the idea of these women who are, like you say, the imported bodyguards. Uh, and if I'm not mistaken, the Circassian women are also from that region. So it's just an interesting. Um, sort of legendary aspect of womanhood in that particular country for some reason. Yeah, and Medea also is from Oh Rome. right. Right. And, right. You know, Medea's a pretty strong woman, right? Um yeah. And, yeah. Uh, so you know she's got different kinds of weapons, right? Uh, but uh yeah uh so uh that's you know Jason would not have been able to do what he did without Medea, that's for sure. Uh right. so yeah I, that's a good yeah. point. Very it's interesting. I actually, very funny, strange stories. I was getting my hair cut and I somehow was talking about this stuff to the woman who was cutting my hair. She was filling in for someone. And I mentioned Georgia. She goes, that's where I'm from. 
I'll, I'll be sure to let you know if we can get over there and tell you what we find. But yeah, I had a Georgian, nice. Georgian hairstylist. So there you go. There you go. Oh, that's great. Okay. Well, you know, my university has a campus. We have an affiliation with a university in Tbilisi, Georgia. So oh, you wow. have some contacts there. So uh, we could talk about that later. Um, awesome. But yeah, uh, it's exciting. I think there's some interesting Amazon stuff there that could be really fun to look at. Thank you for listening. Up next, the final part of our post-colonial Amazons episode on the 34 Circe Salon.